Good morning. Kurt, I just want to say I'm starting mine after the first of the year. <laughs> now, for the first message of the verses here out of Deuteronomy 6, they're found on page 284. If you want to turn there. Starting with verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be written upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And then the second is from Ephesians 6. It's on page 1823. Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And just a reminder, especially to our guests, there is an outline of the sermon in your uh, bulletin if you care to follow that, have a sense of where I'm going and when I might be done. But let's just quiet our hearts for a moment and prepare to reflect on God's Word. Amen. Well, to those of you who have little children, suppose that some rich aunt or rich uncle approached you this morning and said, I'm writing out a check to each of your children for $1 million, writing it in their name on the check, $1 million. Now, you'll be thrilled. Your child could be financially blessed, they don't understand the significance of it at the moment, but you do. And that check could guarantee their financial future. However, there's a condition. The condition is only the child can endorse the check. Once they're old enough, once they understand finances and money, then they can endorse the check. Until then, until that check is endorsed, that million dollars really isn't theirs until that day when they endorse it. Infant baptism in our tradition is something like this. It's like a million dollar check that it brings the inestimable worth of all of God's promises to the child. But these promises have no effect until the child personally comes to faith 
in Jesus. In the Reformed tradition, we baptize in the name, as all churches do, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we baptize children of believing parents, giving them the sign of God's promise of salvation. This does not mean, according to our belief, that the child receives salvation. But they have the sign and seal placed upon them that points to what Jesus has done for them. We believe children of Christian parents have a special relationship to God and God's people, the church, because of the faith of their parents. God has a claim on these children. God's promises are for them. The promises belong to them, so we give them the sign of God's promise. But it's yet to be seen if baptized children will endorse their baptism, if they will accept by faith what the sign and seal of baptism points to. So what we have is what we call an in-between time, from when a child is baptized until the time when they mature, and we hope they make a personal profession of faith in the Savior. And in this in-between time, we are all responsible to teach and model to baptize children the promises of salvation. And that is why today the parents, the church, and God himself make promises. Baptism is not a ritual that's just done and forgotten. Baptism and its promises set in motion a process that we hope will result in salvation. We don't believe anything magical happens here in the water, but baptism works when parents and families in the church fulfill the vows that we took this morning to bring our children to know Jesus. So today is a day of promises. The first promises are those made, of course, by the parents of the children. Erica and Eric, Heather and Sean have made promises before God, as all parents of young children here do that, that are members, to bring their children first to worship, to the worship experience. In our scripture this morning from Deuteronomy, the great de commandment declares, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Loving God means many things, including and primarily worshiping Him, coming and ascribing to Him ultimate worth, giving him, him praise and exaltation and honoring His name. Now, I've heard different parents say they don't want to bring their children to church because they don't want to unduly influence them. They feel their children should decide for themselves what they believe and wait till they mature and grow older. They don't want to decide for their kids. I, I, as I was reviewing my sermon this morning, I thought of a story. Some of you know I like to volunteer in the Title I program at school. It's a reading program. And the hour I go, I have third graders and fourth graders. And the third graders came in the first day that I was there, and they were introduced to me. They had never met me before. 
And then they went into their cubicle and the teacher overheard them, three boys talking. One said, who is that guy? <laughs> and one of the other boys said, well, he works at the church. And the second boy said, church? You go to church? And the other boy got defensive. And then the third boy flipped it. He said, you don't go to church? <laughs> But these kids are thinking about this stuff, even at third grade. And so parents, how can children make good decisions, informed decisions, if they don't have adequate information and training and instruction in religious belief? We live in a world of many options and influences. I don't need to tell you that. And if parents are ambivalent or um, lackadaisical about what you teach children about spiritual life and spiritual truth, they're going to learn it from somebody else. And bringing children to worship, I like how Walter Wangerin puts it. He said, bringing the kids to worship is creating a cup in the child. A cup in the child. The experience of Community worship is in itself a cup into which as the child grows, you can pour your faith. Even if they don't understand worship, what's going on here, it's still building something into their lives that they can later understand, that they can put their faith into. When they mature and think about spiritual things, this will be the experience that will be the initial context for them to put their faith. Worship's the first experience, and they need to discover it now. Parents also promise to teach and model Jesus to their children. We take this seriously. Deuteronomy 6 goes on, impress on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, talking about the commandments. And, and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up and it talks about putting things on the wall that represent in your house your spiritual beliefs. This passage is saying talk about spiritual things at meals, when you're watching TV together, when you travel. Look for opportunities to talk and connect your faith with things that are happening in life. Someone has said that Christianity is more caught than taught. Of course, our children need formal instruction. They need to know the basics of the Bible, the story of Jesus, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer. We need to teach children the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy 6 is a summary of the Ten Commandments, and God gives those commandments as a design, a design to live. They're meant to help us prevent trouble, to promote fulfillment in, in life and in community. But the reality is teaching and influence happens most by example. This is where it's caught. Think of the people who influenced you. Kurt just shared this morning. He gave names of people that influenced him here. His spiritual life. The scripture this morning emphasizes teaching through living. 
in a day-to-day -day relationship. How you start your day, how you end your day. The baptism liturgy restates this when it asks parents, do you promise to show in your own person the joy of new life in Christ by active participation in the life of the church, worship, service, the offering of prayers, and gifts to God? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to know children follow what we do more than what we say. If you tell your children to respect others, but you fail to respect others, they probably won't. If you want your child to pray, to read the Bible, and you don't, they probably won't. Does this mean we have to be perfect in everything to instruct our children? No, of course not. It's impossible. But what it does mean is being honest and being genuine with our children. When we do fail or fall short with our kids, we need to admit it. We need to be real with them. We need to ask forgiveness. Because when we do that, when we are genuine and humble, we are modeling to our children how to actually approach God and ask for forgiveness and to be real and genuine. And we teach our children to pray, to talk with God. Christianity is not just a set of rules and rituals to follow. It's a living relationship with our Creator through Jesus Christ. And prayer is the means to get to know God, to connect with Him, to abide with Him. If we just give our kids religion, then God is going to remain distant. Parents, promise to teach their children about the Lord, to model our relationship with Him. But it takes more than just parents to influence and shape a life. By implication today, we've also asked promises of extended family to the parents and to the children. Parents make their vows in the context of a network and that network needs to help parents keep those vows. The extended family needs to encourage and support them, even hold them accountable. Extended families are responsible to the children. They need to be available to them. But we need to recognize, and, and this is something that I think extended family and the church can be very significant with, so when children move into adolescence, we all know they go through a time when they start to establish their individuality and move towards independence. And that looks different for every child. All of us have to do it. All of us have been through it. And some young people make this transition smoothly and gently, and others do it quite roughly and establish their individual, the individuality in a very rebellious way. Extended family can be so important. The church can be so important in those times. If they have the child's trust to help them through those stages and those emotional hurdles. But there's more. Thirdly, the church family, the spiritual family, makes promises. 
The church is the child's and the parent's community. Every person baptized needs this community. And that is why in the Reformed Church we do baptism together. We do it in the worship service because it's a public event and it includes everyone. Church, you promise to welcome these children into the community of faith. You promise to provide them Christian love and nurture with your prayers, your encouragement, your teaching, and your affection. In other words, we've promised to be a, a stable community of love and truth, a place where we will feed and nourish spiritually. We're the hands and feet of Jesus, the voice and touch in the lives of children and young people. First Reformed Church of Rock Rapids takes this seriously. We have invested in a family life and youth director. We have a children's ministry coordinator. And both Cheryl and Amy have been very effective and loving in their ministry with youth and with children. But all of us have made vows to nurture children and youth. The ministry to baptize members cannot simply be hired out. All of us need to be servants and ministers. We need teachers, we need guides, we need sponsors, we need mentors. We need, we need people to be praying for our children, for our young people. We need role models and adults being friends to baptize children, to encourage, to be available. The church is a team. This is a place for young people and kids to ask their questions, to explore and try to discover their faith. But fourth and lastly and most importantly is the promise made by God in baptism. And this is a promise that will never fail. Baptism points to the promise of God to give salvation to those who by faith and trust follow Jesus. We do not believe in our tradition that baptized children are automatically saved by the waters of baptism. We believe that baptism is a pointer. It's a sign and a seal of God's promise to save those who believe. As surely as water washes away dirt from our bodies, so surely will Christ's blood cleanse us spiritually, the liturgy tells us. Infants and children who are baptized are given this sign and seal that God's promises belong to them. Those promises are for them. God promises to give salvation by faith in Jesus. And that includes those who are spiritually reborn and justified by faith. That's what we marked them these two children with this morning. But there's another promise in baptism from the Lord, and that's in that in-between time, when the child is baptized to when they become an adult. And that is they are, they are baptized members. They belong in this family. We believe the children of believing parents have a special relationship, a unique relationship to the Lord and to the Lord's people. 
1 Corinthians 7.14, it's talking first about marriage. Here where couples, one is a Christian, one isn't. Paul says the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through the wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Then he says, otherwise your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Now what does that mean? Paul is not saying here <clears throat> that unbelieving husbands and unbelieving wives of a believer are given salvation because they're married to a Christian. That's not what he's saying. And he's not saying that children of Christian parents are automatically saved because their parents believe. He's not saying that. The key word is sanctified, holy. It says that children of believing parents are sanctified. They are holy to God. And that word means set apart. They're set apart. They have a special relationship to the people of God and God himself because of the faith of their parents. Someone has described it as like being in a spiritual foster home. Children of Christian parents have the unique privilege to grow up in a spiritual environment with godly influences, not only at home, but in the church. It's in the Christian family and the Christian church that God promises to be the keeper of baptized children. The promises are complex, but basically we would say this morning, a baptized child is a marked child. A person that God promises always to be at work in. A person set apart for the promises of God. But as we stated at the beginning with the illustration of the check, God's promises are not effective until there's an endorsement, a response of faith and commitment. The promises will not be effective until that child acts upon it by faith in Christ. You know, I never had the privilege of baptizing my own children. My father-in-law was a retired pastor, and we wanted him to baptize the kids. And I believe that's how it should be, because it was more important for me to be in the role of a parent instead of the role of a pastor, so that I could focus on my vows and the promises that Sue and I took to raise our children in the faith. Because these promises are so challenging, we, we need Jesus in our lives. And we need each other. It's only by abiding in Christ that we can fulfill these vows. We can't do it on our own. The best thing we as parents, as family, as the church, the best thing we can do to fulfill our promises today is to be attending to our own relationship with Jesus, to be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Savior every day. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you today for your promises to us. We thank you for how they've been fulfilled in Jesus Christ.
And we thank you for the signs that you give us of baptism and communion, of these grace-filled, merciful promises to us. Lord, we pray for the power to fulfill them. We pray for ourselves as parents and Christians to be able to walk in the way of Jesus and to model new life in Christ to our children and youth, but also to each other. Lord, we pray for those who are growing and, and, and have been marked with the promise. Again, we, we ask that you be their keeper and that you be the ultimate influence in their soul. And Lord, for those baptized and who are of age, who are mature, but have not endorsed and acted on the promises, we pray for them, that you will bring them to that point of saying yes to Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.